So, Justice Kennedy, what are you doing retiring, man? You have a great job where you barely work, you get to wear a robe all day and give your opinions on stuff. That basically is retirement. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That is pretty funny. So, because That's a much funnier joke than was in her joke off. His retirement obscured a major Supreme Court ruling that came down yesterday that would have been the political talk of the day if he hadn't retired. Yeah, this was one I was hot to trot for and went the way I hoped. I'm not going to lie to you. The Janus ruling in which the Supreme Court forbids uh, public employee unions from collecting fees from workers who benefit from their representation but don't want to join them and don't like the way they swing politically. And to discuss the ruling... yes, Within that effect being it weakens these unions' power politically. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Everybody thinks that, right? Yeah, that's uh, that's what it's all about, and that's why I was so happy about it. Um, uh, To discuss how it's likely to change the politics of blue states, in particular California, we're joined by John Kupal, the president of the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. The HGTA is the largest taxpayer association in California with a membership of over 200,000 folks. Uh, John, welcome. How are you? Uh, I'm fine. How are you guys doing? We're terrific. Thanks very much. So uh, what do you make of this ruling? Well, it's a very good decision. We've been waiting a long time for this ruling. There was a similar case that worked its way up to the courts a couple of years ago, uh, out of California, actually, called the Friedrichs decision, and it presented the same issue, and that is, what is the extent to which people who belong to public sector unions have to provide money to the unions for their activities? Now, one of the things that the unions are saying now in the wake of this uh, Janus decision is that, oh, it's always been the law that you don't have to belong to the union. You don't have to belong. Well, that may be true, but that wasn't the issue. The issue was whether or not non-member employees still have to give the union money. And it's like, yeah, you don't have to belong to this church, but you still have to tithe to this church. I mean, that, that, that makes no sense. And so... Uh, fortunately, uh, Justice Kennedy, who did announce his retirement, uh, he has been a moderate on some issues, but he has been what we call a First Amendment absolutist. And this involves the First Amendment, the right to free speech, but also the right of association and the right not to associate with a union. And, and it has been the constitutional principle since Thomas Jefferson that for a person to be compelled to contribute to a cause with which they disagree is a violation of the First Amendment, and that's what the U.S. Supreme Court ruled yesterday, and we're very happy. Well, the argument on the other side is, okay, so you're not going to give the money to the union. You're going to take the number of vacation days that the union argued for and got you, and the the wage that they argued for and got you, but you're not going to pay for the union. That's the argument, right? Well, first of all, that assumes that whatever the uh, union is doing is to your benefit. You know, sometimes these unions uh, engage in collective bargaining agreements or get collective bargaining agreements that are better for the long-term members, not the new hires. I mean, we hear that over and over again from people like uh, younger prison guards. Uh, The union's not looking out for me. Uh, So what this will do is this is not going to end the unions overnight, but what it will do is it will do a couple things. Number one, it will probably prevent these unions from straying into areas that they don't really belong to. I mean, for example, Teachers Association, uh, uh, they have members. They have a lot of conservative members who may disagree on an issue like abortion. I, I think one of the effects of this ruling is that unions will kind of kind of 
bring back the things that they engage in to things that really matter to education if it's the teachers union well the Uh, unions are the single most powerful political force in california will this will this weaken them financially 10 percent 50 percent what do you think we, we, we've seen uh, numbers as high as 40 to 60 percent in other states like Washington State, Wisconsin, Ohio. Uh, w- there have been rules that have come about not from court rulings, but from the state legislature. For example, the state legislature in Ohio or, or Wisconsin. Uh, Scott Walker, Governor Scott Walker, went through a brutal brutal political fight to get this kind of rule from the from the legislature. Uh, at the end of the day, it's not going to change things overnight. But you will start to see a change in, uh, first of all, it will weaken them because, as you mentioned, these unions are the dominant political force in California by far, by far. You think the oil companies are bad? Public sector labor is far more powerful than the oil companies or major corporations. Um, and, And they're very good at electing individuals who will be sitting on the other side of the table from their union representatives when they engage in this collective bargaining agreements. So, um, yeah, often the people they get elected are former uh, union bargainers. So yes, they're on both sides of the table. We see that over and over and over again. So I want to make sure everybody understands this, the the whole thing, or that I understand it, the whole thing. So in the past, the California teachers association, for instance, might get behind an abortion issue. Or immigration. Or immigration, something something that's got nothing to do with with teaching. And you didn't have any choice if you're a teacher because you got to pay the dues, and uh, whether you're in the union or not. And so they can count on that money. So now with this new ruling, they've got to stick with issues that people care about. And if 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 the California Teachers Association is sticking with issues I care about, I might give them money. If they're not sticking with issues I don't care about, I won't give them money. So they've got customers they've got to please. Is that it? Yes, and and there there is a uh, there is an alternative volunteer organization, and it's quite large. It's called uh, CTNS, I think it's called. But the California Teachers Empowerment Network. It's run by a guy by the name of Larry Sand, who's a great guy, a good school choice guy, um, and he's been after the union for a long time. But you know, our organization, a taxpayer group. We get communications from union members all the time complaining about what their unions are doing and saying, I wish I could drop out, but they can't go public because the unions, if nothing else, are very vindictive and they're retaliatory. So there are a lot of quiet, you know, kind of closet conservatives within public sector uh, employment that I think this will really empower them to say, you know what? You guys are not representing me. You're not representing my interests. Uh, I choose not to contribute my money, a portion, a big portion of my paycheck, to your causes with which I disagree. A couple of quick points. Uh, we've uh, received quite a number of letters of that sort, John, from folks who've tried to stand up to the union, gotten punished terribly, or right. tried to opt yes. out. You're um, not going to advance if you're not... A member. Yeah, a couple of quick uh, constitutional points here. One made by our friend Tim Sandifer yesterday when we talked to him, that everything a public employee union does is political because it is of the government. Every raise they get, every vacation, every action, every march is a political matter. So there's no such thing as a public employee union engaging in non-political activity. So, you know, again, it's a forced uh, contribution or forced speech. 
And uh, the second thing is, it is an incredibly dangerous thing. I agree for once in my life with Franklin D. Roosevelt about this, that public employee unions are dangerous because you have, he feared and he was right, you have a constituency lobbying the government that is the government. And if they become the most powerful constituency lobbying the government, the government itself, you have a nightmare in which the interests of the everyday taxpayers don't have a chance. And that is, you know, if I can be forgiven for patting myself on my own back, that's a pretty good description of California right now. It's a very good description of California. And keep in mind, as early, you know, as uh, as recently as the 60s, you had major labor leaders saying, no, we, we don't want the public sector to be unionized. And, and yet California was at the forefront of allowing public sector unionization. Now, one of the arguments you'll hear is, yes, but the unions are there to protect public sector employees. That's what civil service is for. We, we believe in a strong civil service protection to prevent nepotism, to provide rules about advancement and make sure there's non-discrimination. Civil service has always been the protection for public sector employees. Why we ever had public sector unionization has never made any sense to us, and I think people are now waking up to that. Again, we're strong supporters of a professionalized, uh, non-patronage workforce for the public sector, but we don't need labor organizations to do that. In fact, they do just the opposite. Here, here. Boy, democracies work slowly, but it would seem that in this case they finally uh, figured this out. Yeah, I would hope yes, so. Yes, they did. John yes, Kapal of the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. Uh, John, it's always great to talk. It'll be interesting to see how this unfolds going forward, and we'll stay in touch. All right. Sounds good, fellas. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Our pleasure. Interesting. Yeah, look, I tell you what, uh, and I have plenty of friends and acquaintances who are uh, represented by these unions, and y'all are great, getting a great deal. And Oh, no doubt. And you know it. Oh, yeah. You know it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, I would take it. What we do here is A, tell the truth, and B, stand up for the taxpayers. You cannot have the government running the government. The people have to run the government, or we're doomed. Sign the Founding Fathers. So you want to argue with me? Go argue with George Washington. Wow. Huh? Yeah. That's right. I'm Joe Getty, the George Washington of our time. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, I'm told, please, please. That's a bit much. (laughs) That is a bit much. You're right, Michael. That was a bit much. How about the George Michael of our time? (laughs) George Clooney of our time? George Costanza of our time. Yeah, more like that. (laughs) Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Are we wrong about this? You mad about this? You're screaming at your radio? Yeah, text us or email us. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. The FBI director and the acting attorney general are getting grilled currently. That would be the biggest story of the day if it weren't for a Supreme Court justice and all that. Yep. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. But what did you do? What did you say? So uh, this is what 
outcome is at stake, according to some. This is from the Washington Post yesterday. Both parties use court vacancy as a rallying cry, as a Supreme Court justice announced he's retiring. Democrats said no less than the future of abortion rights, health care, collective bargaining, and same-sex equality is in peril. That's heavy. That may be a little uh, whipped up, a little frothy. While Republicans claimed a seminal opportunity to shift the high court's ideological orientation solidly to the right for a generation or more. Um, so part of the question is whether or not it's cool, okay, to go through this process with an election so close. Um, I, I, think you, I think you should have back when Obama nominated somebody. I think you should now. Um, I think whether an election is close or not shouldn't have anything to do with it. But uh, it doesn't really make any difference, and this is kind of getting left out of the discussion. According to almost everybody who follows politics and is looking at the various races, there's practically no chance the Democrats are going to take control of the Senate. So you can put it off if you want. You're going to end up with the same result. There's even a decent chance that the Republicans have more votes in the Senate right. uh, come come the next time around, and you could push somebody a little further to the right. Although that's precisely the argument that uh, Hillary Clinton and folks were making, you know, before November when they were clearly going to win. So, you know, it's not that big a deal. We'll, we'll get Garland in January. Yeah. No problem. No, well, I, I. So it could go the other way. Yeah, Who knows? Well, I, you know, I think you should do it now. I think you should do it when it happens, regardless. Well, and as you made the point earlier, and I agree with you, if, if Mitch McConnell, cartoon dog and uh, Senate Majority Leader, uh, wanted to block it, block it. Just say no, we're not gonna we're not gonna vote on it because we don't like him. <laughs> Instead of making up this silly, well, it's an election year thing. Come on, this is to be honest. Although they're not gonna be, so you know. the Democrats would have to win twenty eight of the thirty five seats that are being contested this year to take the majority. Twenty out of out of thirty five, and that is almost impossible. If you look at the map, yeah, yeah. If you look at the map and how many of them are, you know solidly held by the GOP and states that Trump won huge and et cetera, et cetera. Um, Although, you know, it got more exciting when they uh, ran that moron Roy Moore. True. Um, and lost that seat. One other thing I would like to uh, hit you with is George Will wrote a column yesterday about all these 5-4 decisions that have been coming down, which, you know, I don't like 5-4 decisions. I don't think anybody really likes them because it just makes you... It, it makes it just more clear that, wow, one different justice by a different president. Right. You know, the person dies six months later earlier or whatever, and this major ruling goes the other way. That's There's something that doesn't seem right in terms of justice about that. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, he... Because uh, we'd all like to think they all approach the cases and judge them on the merits and the Constitution and all, but they come at it from such different ideologies. Well, at the very least, uh, you know, a larger group of people agree this is right as opposed to it's practically a coin flip. Right. Um, the other problem with five to four rulings was outlined by a distinguished jurist. I do think the rule of law is threatened by a steady term after term of five, four decisions. Politics are closely divided. There ought to be some sense of stability if the government is not going to polarize completely. A profound mistrust of the court will only be aggravated uh, by more and more 5-4 rulings. And uh, Chief Justice Roberts said that before he became a Supreme Court justice. I agree with him. Oh, yeah, no doubt. It's a shame. It's just, you know, now you're probably going to get more 6-3 rulings. And certainly if, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg goes away or Breyer or something like that, then you're going to see a hell of a lot of 6-3 rulings for a long time. And is that better? I don't see. The more you, you know about it, the more you understand 
It's like uh, if the Supreme Court was going to decide what you do on your vacation every time instead of cases, and you got five justices who like to play golf and four who hate it, you're going to get a lot of five to four decisions to play golf because they see life differently. They see the world differently. (laughs) They're pro-golf in the way that the progressives are pro-giving the government powers to do this and change that and regulate this, where the conservatives say, no, you can't. You don't get to. The progressives say, sure you do. That's what this country is all about. The conservatives say, no, it's not. So I wish it were like, because we, a lot of us uh, laymen and growing up and all, we we think they're taking a close look at it and studying the Constitution and deciding, is this a good law or a bad law? Does it square? But no, they're just applying their philosophy to it. Got this text, freaking about peed my pants on the Seattle ferry commute this morning with all the witty banner, including the schnitzel comment. I thank you. Pee in your pants on the Seattle ferry. There you go. That's a living. That's a living. That's what we're looking for. What is this on my schnitzel? Uh-huh. Making you lose control of your bladder. It's high praise. The uh, spraying coffee on your inside of your windshield also. I almost drove off the road. That's a good one. We, In fact, we uh, <laughs> we used to refer that as, uh, to that as the Aya daughter. I almost drove off the road. It's high praise, and we thank you. Mm. Um, how much do you think being hot helped the hot Marxist winner race? I think being Hispanic was way, way, way more important. You think so? Yeah, but it did. Well, yeah, yeah, there sure, are I'm a sure. hell of a lot of good-looking people in politics. Yeah, men and women. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Not a coincidence. No, definitely not. Oh, speaking of, you know, I'm sorry. The uh, almost drive off the road and the rest of it reminds me of a charming note we got from Dave, who uh, says, yo, 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 Vern Van Dyke and old simple. Thought you'd appreciate an A&G inspired anecdote. His wife is a liberal. <laughs> and he <laughs> and he's tried very hard through the years to cherry pick A&G segments to play for in order to help her understand why. And I'm quoting, I walk around all morning with my earpiece in, bursting out laughing on occasion. Uh, I even listen to NPR on weekends to show her how I'm open to her side of issues, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I never thought she really got your show until last night. Well, in the midst of a discussion about the endless particulars of potential schools for our pre-K daughter, I started to get lost in all the details and asked her in her frustrated tone, which schools? Some of them, she responded, paused and said, (laughs) all of them? Okay. I responded using my best Michael Cohen accent. I knew she finally got it. That's Dave in Oakland. That's beautiful, Dave. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Some of them. All of them. Okay. <laughs> I've been waiting Which for the... Polls? <laughs> you know, that may be... It's certainly it, worthy of contention as my favorite clip of all time. Yeah, yeah. I love it so much. I think we voted recently. Our favorite clip of all time is uh, Night After Night. Night After but, Night. Uh, that, uh, which polls? And your okay. question is? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> What's coming up your news, Marshall? Tensions and tempers flaring all over Capitol Hill. Oh, the California no. Supreme Court's going to be ruling on whether or not laws that are impossible to comply with can be challenged in the court. <laughs> all right. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. I got something for you. Look up at the TV screen. Something that is becoming a thing, I guess. Napping pods showing up at malls. 
Did I lose? Uh, I lost the thing on the Yes, yeah, there please. They are. It's there. It's a napping pod. So you go in there, you set the temperature, you plug in your computer or your phone or whatever. Little, and you take little a little brown noise. Take a little snooze in a little closed door room at the mall. Oh, yes, please. I mean, it's worth it just for the charging station aspect for me. Yeah. Like if my yeah. phone's dead and I just need some, I need some juice, man, because otherwise I got to go home. What does it cost dies. you? I don't know. I'm a man of means. <laughs> ah, <people> are, <laughs> there, are, there have been times in my life, and I know you can relate to this, I'd have paid $1,000 for an hour of oh, sleep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Take him a nap. People are going to have drugs in there and prostitutes and stuff, and they'll be all icky. That's what will happen. That reminds me of those like massage chairs at the mall. It's like that seems simultaneously like a good idea, but also like you're not really doing what you're trying to do. Boy, my kids love those for some reason. <laughs> I just love the foot massagers at the State Fair. It just you, feels good. You want to entertain a, a, a six-year-old boy for a dollar? That's the best <laughs> way, the massage chair. They have them at the car wash. They just love them. Partially because they're so small. Yeah. Compared to the size of the chair, they really get roughed up like it's a ride, practically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's, get, let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. I'm going to tell you, tempers are flaring in Congress. Ohio Republican Jim Jordan going after Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. During a House hearing today, Jordan accused Rosenstein of hiding information from Congress about the Hillary Clinton email investigation and the ongoing Russia probe. I'm not keeping any information from Congress that it's appropriate. In a few minutes, Mr. Rosenstein, I think the House of Representatives is going to say something different. I don't agree with you, Congressman. I don't believe that's what they're going to say. And if they do, they'll be mistaken. I disagree, but I think think in a few minutes, the House of Representatives is going to go on record saying you haven't complied with requests from a separate and equal branch of government, that you haven't complied with subpoenas. And you got seven days to get your act together. I think that's what's going to happen in a few. And that's just that's not Jim Jordan. I think that's the house, I think that's a majority of the House of Representatives. In just a few minutes, I think that's going to happen. And I want to know why you won't give us what we've asked for. Rosenstein? He's a little bit of a grandstander. Right. He knows how to get on TV. But right. he's, he's usually talking about something I'm interested in right. and usually agree with. Rosenstein rejected the accusation, said the department is really doing its best to produce those documents for Congress. Meantime. Well, so the House did pass the resolution, though, just a few minutes yep. ago. That they have to hand over all the documents on the Clinton and Russia investigation. So that's what he was talking about. Mm. Meantime, South Carolina Republican Trey Gowdy demanded a quick end to the Russia investigation, telling Rosenstein, Whatever you got, finish it the hell up. Because this country is being torn apart. Yeah, I don't know if we're being torn apart, but I'm all right. Speaking for myself. (laughs) There's no point in dragging it out and letting that narrative hang out there. Right, Right. If you ain't got nothing. All sides mobilizing in response to Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy's retirement, promising what they're calling a momentous confirmation battle for President Donald Trump's next nominee uh, to I the high it. court. I doubt it. Yeah, well, I know. And, and so I took in the uh, lefty side first yesterday. Yeah. I go back and forth. So I, t- I watched my MSNBC shows first. And I saw Chris Matthews and Kamala Harris and the guests on Brian Williams and everybody talking about how we're going to fight. We're going to fight like we've never fought before. This is something we won't put up with. And Chris Matthews even said, we can't put up with this. This will destroy the Democrat Party. This is the line in the sand. And I kept thinking, Wait, is there, what can they do? They must have some card to play that I don't understand. Some procedural move with a... You know, uh, I don't know, a quorum or something that I don't understand. Right. But then I switch over to Fox and they say, no, the numbers just aren't there. The the Republicans can nominate and get through pretty much anybody they want. Well, and the constitutional scholars I've heard pretty much agree with them. They they don't have the votes, so never mind. Yeah, so that's that. That's so much for the fight. There's going to be some good sound bites, though. This reminds me... (laughs) 
Of the judges, Hitler appointed. I mean, we'll be hearing that. Well, all right, and you, and both sides have to do that. You have to you have to show that you're con- show your constituents that you're going to fight for. You can't just say, "Eh, what are you going to do?" Yeah, we're screwed in this one, folks. But uh... but so Sean and I were discussing this. This is your chance to weigh in as a constitutional scholar yourself. Um, who me or him? You. Okay, I'm certainly not that. No, I'm not that either. Yeah, please, don't ask me anything. It's, I say that about myself, but when other people say it, it sounds ridiculous. With, uh, with, with lifespan, at some point, do we do we have term limits for justices? And I mean, it, it's worked out so far. But the idea that if you had three heart attacks during one president's term, that's the direction our laws are going to go for the next fifty years with current lifespan seems kind of a crazy way to set it up, doesn't it? Yeah, I get the idea of appointments for life because they're theoretically sure. immune to the pressures of politics, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, I'd have to think about that more, but I don't think that's an unreasonable way to look at it. Because the way there, we're currently doing it. There needs to be it. some continuity. I mean, you don't swap out all nine every election. That oh, would be you'd, crazy. No, you'd have to stagger it the way we do the Senate. Sure. Um, but, uh, hockey line shift. All nine. Out. New nine. <laughs> in. But because everybody yeah. stays on the court for so long now... So Trump's got two in a year and a half of being president. Yeah. So, so what if he ends up with three or four? And it's the Trump court for the next half century because they're all, you know, 40-year-olds that are put in there. That's, that, That'd that's be even, great. No. But it, <laughs> From you know, my point of view. It won't always work out the way you Nightmarish on the other side, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'll, I'll admit that. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting thought. We... Uh, let's see. Every four years, maybe you get each uh, each president gets one, gets to swap out one, and they rotate. You know, one per term. Yeah. If you get two one terms, term. you get two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if somebody croaks it, that's your one. And I think that would help with the. Uh... Well, wait a second though. When do you when do you swap them out? Like on the first day of office. What if one croaks then? Because you've already gotten your one. These are tough questions. But um, it would also help with the presidential election instead of the, he may appoint three or four justices. We'd know exactly how many justices each president's going to be involved with. Yeah, and what sort they'd want to appoint. Yeah. And I think that the justices should be allowed to stay. If you're doing a good job, there's no reason to just arbitrarily remove you just because your term's up. Yeah, but who judges well, then who's you're doing a good job? You're against Jack's idea. Yeah, then. yeah, then, well, yeah then. well, no, no. Yeah. Like, you're you're up for, you can get reelected or we can swap you out. Oh, and whatever elect the prom- them? Or, I don't know, election's a bad word. <laughs> oh, no, I see what you're saying, yeah. though. You know, yeah. if, if I become if I president like nine, and I like Clarence Thomas, oh, I'll say, right. yeah, it's his time to leave. I'm nominating Clarence freaking Thomas. High yeah. five. And he goes back on the court. So it'd be like a yeah. sports teams. You got your franchise players? Yeah, like if I'm a president and I like all nine judges, I shouldn't be forced to choose a new judge. Oh, okay. There you go. There you go. Uh, That's not a bad idea either. Well, sure, you get, yeah, okay. You have the option of replacing one per term. Right. Okay. Meanwhile, the This Cal- is starting to work itself out. But, we got to get this you, off to D.C. But do you get to pick the one you replace? <laughs> of course. Or is it a rotational uh, thing? No, like you, I suggested. Because that would be terms. Mm. How about a wheel? I want to get some game show aspects into this. <laughs> Meanwhile, the California Supreme Court will decide whether state laws can be challenged in the courts on the grounds that complying with them is impossible. The yeah, court, I would hope, the court is going to issue an opinion today in a lawsuit over a California law requiring new models of semi-automatic handguns to stamp identifying information on bullet casings. The gunmakers say the technology does not exist to meet the stamping requirements. So you're going to have the state's high court weigh in on this. Mm. 
at last note, a few blocks from the 58-story Millennium Tower, dubbed the Leaning Tower of San Francisco, another building appears to be sinking. The San Francisco Chronicle reports the 18-story building in the city's financial district appears to have settled three-eighths of an inch due to construction of two new high-rises on either side. Wow. Just squashing the ground. Yep. 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 I've uh, I've shrunk about three-eighths of an inch. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm all right. Are you leaning? <laughs> A little bit. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. So the the petering out is coming up. Final thoughts, etc. Yeah. So Trump has had two vacancies in his his early presidency. Of course, there could be no more for the rest of the time, pretty easily, right? Oh, is he uh, going to serve one term or two? The no- notorious RGB is pretty old. Breyer's 79. Yeah, I would say, you know, by the end of six years, uh, a couple more will be gone. And Clarence Thomas is said to want to do some other things with his life. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I hear. That doesn't happen very often, where they just say, you know, I got other things to do. Well, because it's kind of like being a teacher, right? It's, you get quite a few months off. Yeah. And it seems like a great job. If you're into the law, right. Uh, Stay with us. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Looking at our Trump rally uh, clips. Hey, can I hear four Trump four just because I want to hear the crowd? Um. Uh, hello, Fargo. Hi, Fargo. We love you, Fargo. What a place. Yeah. That's a rock star. Yeah. What wow. a place. Aren't we due for another season of Fargo at some point? <laughs> Speaking of it. Uh, and what happened to Better Call Saul, Sean? Uh, it's, it's coming back in about a month or so. Oh, please. Yeah. How long does it take? Oh, no, that's wrong. It's going to be a several more months because they just wrapped their up. season. Uh, a little more on how Trump has the highest ratings among Republicans as, you know, a high, highest rating in his own party of practically any president ever. Um, Trump, Which is amazing. Trump five in Fargo, North Dakota last night. between the USA chanters and the Trump chanters in that obviously jam-packed freaking arena who absolutely love the Tangerine Tornado. Very reminiscent of Nuremberg, 1938, Jack. The only other person, there are two other people I've ever heard get that kind of crowd response is Obama and Bernie. And I wonder if the fact that the three times in my lifetime people have been able to get those kind of crowds have all happened in the last few years. In terms of the whole, you know, just where we are, the, the the fever for something fresh and new, combined with all three of those have a populist thing going. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Or people are just more wildly enthusiastic than they used to be. Maybe that's it. <laughs> uh, I doubt that's it. <laughs> I don't know. What's the common thread? They're all three great with crowds. I mean. Yeah. And they, they got a pop- all three of them got a populist thing. 
Pokemon go to the polls. <laughs> On the other side then of the you example. Yeah, yeah. Right, then you well, got that. That hurt. That hurt my heart. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, yeah. my wife refers to you as those guys who are always angry about everything. What? Well, I don't know if that's about. We're the least angry talk radio show ever. Which only makes get us... A, be, get a better wife! Huh? Get you know what I'm angry wife. about? You got a bad wife! Get a better wife? Yeah! You heard me! Oh. Hmm. Oh. We got a ton of texts about the various ideas of the Supreme Court on uh, how long the term should be, term limits. Oh, yeah. We didn't get one text from somebody saying, no, the current system seems great. That's hmm. interesting. Just... Hmm. The, the, Well, once again, I'd like to dig up the Founding Fathers. Hey, Founding Fathers, here's something interesting. In the future, people won't die at age 40 on average. Everybody will live to be 80 or 90 years old. Do you Mm. think it makes sense to appoint a 42-year-old that's going to live to be 92 and let them hold the seat for half a century? Does that seem like a good idea? I'd Mm. be interested in their answer. Yeah, indeed. Well, there are quite a few questions I'd ask them, but that that is a good one. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to make this stupid what's old What's it like having a slave? <laughs> no! God, what's the matter with you? What is the matter with you? Well, you're not is it helping. Re- you're not healing. Is it the time saver it sounds like? <laughs> oh, my God. That is so wrong. So wrong. Hopefully only you have to go to this meeting. Oh, oh yeah. The show oh. is almost over. Yeah. We really? almost made it. Uh, uh. It was going to be a meeting-free Thursday. Yeah. Well, here we <laughs> so, uh, how much time do we have, Michael? About 10 seconds or so. Oh, 10 seconds? Uh-huh. I can't do anything. No, you can't. It's like half seconds. gone already. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, not much you can do in 10 seconds. I like this part of the show anyway. Armstrong and Getty's final thoughts aren't going to make America great again. <laughs> They're going to make America sick again. <laughs> Wow. wow! Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Wow, well done, sir. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the squad to wrap things up. Hey, Marshall Phillips, what's your final thought? All right, my friends, this I vow. Within the next 24 hours, I will attempt to do 10 push-ups in a row. Okay. Okay. I look forward to that. I hope you don't end up in the hospital. <laughs> I'll attempt to ride a bull. I don't it's not going to happen. <laughs> Michelangelo, final thought? I will do twice as many push-ups as Marshall, so I figure I'll do four. Wow. <laughs> Committed. Wow. Beautiful. Uh, positive Sean, what's your final thought? Something to keep in mind in the world of Clickonomics, that there is a website out there that was receiving 28 million clicks from Facebook uh, recommendations every month. Simply by changing their algorithm, Facebook that is, this website now gets 3 million clicks a month. They lost 25 million clicks because Facebook changed the way they do business. 25 million clicks per month. What? Because Facebook made a minor change in the the way they do things. That's how powerful Facebook is. Huh. Uh, Jack, do you have a final thought for us? Yeah, you know, uh, from the tooting your own horn department, I think our coverage of the whole Supreme Court situation was as good as anything I've heard anywhere in terms of uh, the different sides of it and fairness. Just saying. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, so, With our various guests, not because of me. My final thought is, I was Googling how old is Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and when I did how old I, she popped up. But when I typed in the S for is, she popped off and it was a different list of people. How the hell does Google work? Yeah. Boy, that's complicated. <laughs> I mean, if you type how old is, there's going to be a Z. Probably. Usually. 
How old is Donald Trump? How old is Justice Kennedy? How old is Prince Harry? How old is Lil Pump? Is my fifth option. <laughs> One of these things is not like the other. You know, um, Ooh, who's Lil Pump? Is a musical. Does, act does of he sorts. have a Lil Pump? <laughs> Unconfirmed. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. So little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. You can email us, text, tweet at us. We'd like to hear what you think. And if there's something we ought to be talking about, send it along. Email mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Yeah, that's pretty uh, pretty helpful. You guys are our, and women, are our eyes and ears. Indeed. Uh, that way we don't, I don't have to pay attention to everything because it would make me crazy and homicidal. We will see you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over. The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity. And we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you and good night. Because the show's over. What? Bye bye. Was ist nicht an my schnitzel? Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.